Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. She's, she's a pretty good thing, isn't she? Like 96 years of age and they still, she's out, she gets to go to events and things. She is now 70 years, the longest serving monarch in English history. Well done, Queen Elizabeth. And uh, in another three months, she will overtake uh, King Bomipal of Thailand, who reigned Bumipol, who reigned for 72, no, he reigned just a little bit longer than her, about three months longer. So let's, so come on, three months, she's got to go there. And if she can get another two years, I know she's 96, I just, I'm really keen for her to do it. Her mother lived to 100, they're a long living family. So King Louis Fourteenth, long time ago, reigned for 72 years. However, he was only five when he started. And he had a regent, so I don't know if it really counts, but technically it does. So she has to last for another two years to be the longest serving monarch in history. I think that would be great, don't you think? She's just been the queen forever, ever since I can remember. I mean, you know, so we're going for her. So imagine if the queen just abdicated her position and left behind the wealth and the castles and the family, which may or may not be so bad <laughs> um, sometimes. But the ladies-in-waiting, the butlers, the chefs, the perfect food, the perfect garden, all her horses, which she loves, and her dogs. Imagine if she left all that and went to the poorest town in the poorest nation, which I actually looked up. It's currently Niger in West Africa. And went to Niger, which is pretty much mostly desert, and anonymously began to work just, I don't know, as an orderly in a hospital or just some serving job. No one knew her and she just decided to, to do that. Imagine that. Imagine how she would find that after all those years reigning on the throne. Imagine how that would feel eternal, internally. Scott Morrison's recently lost his job. How about if Scott decided to leave his, his family and his home and uh, his, I mean, he's still an MP for a little while, I imagine, but um, imagine if he decided to go and work as a dishwasher or something in a remote pub in the middle of Australia and no one knew him and he just thought, oh, I'm just going to go and do that, leave, leave the girls and just, again, how, how odd and how low. So let's look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6. We're talking about Jesus who was in the very nature God, but he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or something to be held on to. Rather, he made himself nothing. 
He took on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. He was found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. It's just so hard for us to have even any comparison of what Jesus did. He was God. He was so far exalted above the Queen of England's position, so much higher than any, anyone in this world in terms of riches, in terms of glory, in terms of comfort, in terms of just stunning beauty. He was equal with God. He was in heaven on the throne of God in total bliss and joy and, and comfort and goodness. There he was. And yet it says that he made himself nothing. Kino is the word. He voided himself. He voided himself. He made himself of no reputation. And even more than that, it says that he made himself a servant. So he put. He decided he chose to, to leave this ultimate comfort and glory and come down to earth with all the discomforts that that involves, he even, even in the womb, he came to, he was a child. He was a nobody in a very small town in a small country and he became very normal. He had to put up with brothers and sisters and mums and dads and food and then maybe a tiny little bit of, you know, glory in his ministry in terms of being anointed on earth, not, not like in heaven, but... He, he began to release the glory that was his and then he was accused, attacked, assaulted, mocked, finally murdered and then he went to hell. It's just, it is absolutely impossible for us to understand the extent of his sacrifice in going from as high as, high as all the universe you could be to as low as you could be. He went, he almost experienced all the way down what it felt like. And he humbled himself. And how, how grateful are we that he did that because he loved us? How incredible. What can we do except give all glory and honour to someone that would do that? Because he loves us to put himself so low for us. And so look, here we have these great scripture in Philippians 2 verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <laughs> An epic scripture more than deserved because of how incredible Jesus was and how beautiful he was in humbling himself and sacrificing himself. And God is a God of justice and he sees that and so he raises him up and lifts him up so high, back up high as high can be. And every knee will bow. So there are, there are many who say they don't believe and many who don't want to serve him, but they will bow. We will either bow in adoration and, and in love, or we will bow because we have to acknowledge finally those who refuse to on earth, they will bow and acknowledge that he is Lord. One way or another, everyone will bow. So we, 
I can bear, you know, it's, just, I, it's very hard to find any kind of example, but we just, we just give glory to God for what Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what Paul writes so beautifully there. And then we see verse 5, Philippians 2 verse 5 says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The contemporary version says, think the same way Jesus thought. I'm just like, what? What? So he was prepared to go from as high as you can be to as low as you could be. And then Paul just casually says, you should think like that too. That should be the way you think in terms of how you serve. How just about going low, about humbling yourself. Like just think like Jesus thought. thought. I'm like... What? What? If we think about what Jesus did and how he must have thought, like, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to leave you, my Father in heaven, who they had complete, total, beautiful intimacy and closeness. I'll leave all of this for love and go so low. He says we should, we should have that same attitude. <laughs> it's just The Bible just asks us to do things that are, I mean... So incredible that we go, wow, (laughs) where do we begin to obey such a high calling? How do we even know what that looks like to be completely humble, prepared to let go of everything wonderful and comfortable in our life if that's what God wants? He doesn't always want that, but are we prepared to let go of that? Prepared to have no reputation I mean, it's nice to have a bit of reputation. It's nice for people to think you're doing well in your job or to think that, you know, you're a good person. But are we prepared to let go of all of that? Are we prepared to let go of our career and our job and our position if God wants us to or our home? What does that look like to be a lowly servant like Jesus? So let's look at some of the things that Paul then lists in Philippians 2 and get a hold of that and go, okay, let's do it. It's a high calling. It's a high challenge. But Paul opens it up for us. Philippians 2 verse 3, he starts by saying this, Let not, he fulfill my joy by being like-minded, thinking the same. But then also in verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind esteem others better than yourself. So this is a good place to start with this, this position of humility that we are going to take. That, I'm, that we have no conceit. So there's no, there's an awareness of who we are. God wants us to be honest and real about our gifts and abilities and talents. But there's no sense of, therefore, I'm good because of that. Because what do I have that isn't given to me? What, do I, what can I do that God doesn't help me to do? So yes, I may be smart or I might think I'm kinder or wiser or more capable. But it doesn't matter. I'm still willing to put others first. Or perhaps... We have the other approach, which is, well, I'm more in need. I need more attention. I need more help. I should be listened to. I should be recognised. That kind of whole approach is not really right because it's all about me. Humility is happy to be unseen, unrecognised and unhelped sometimes. Philippians 2 verse 14 says this, Do all things without grumbling and complaining, so that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the sky. So he's, he, he's saying, 
he wants us not to grumble and complain and argue. And he, then he points out, I know that this is a perverse, crooked, difficult world that we live in and difficult people and that's exactly the same as today but he says I don't want you to complain about it because that's a form of selfishness that's a form of oh look why should I have to put up with this like what my boss is so it's not fair and it's so easy to complain and grumble and he just says no complaining no grumbling at all about anything every yes we can process but we stay calm we trust God and we pray things through rather than complain and grumble about them so there's another position of humility these things will change your life. I mean, I'll say it in the book. It's very strange preaching about something when I've written it all in the book already because I'm reading the book and going, we're well, all going to talk about that <laughs> on, in your next thing. But I only, I'm only me. I've only got one life, so I'm going to share the same story. But um, this is a really big one for me to stop complaining and grumbling because I really did complain and grumble about a lot of things. I, I saw a lot of things that I thought were wrong and I would discuss it and talk about it and complain about it. So... Um, why are you smiling at me, darling? <laughs> oh, man, I just, I don't know, things just annoyed me. People annoyed me in the past and just life. And then we went to Russia and oh, I just used to get this sort of hatred of Russia. I just got this, everything was so annoying, everything was so dirty, nothing worked. I mean, we stood outside our door one time for how long, babe? Like an hour? Just trying to unlock it. Because the locks were so old and terrible and hopeless and it was freezing and I had two little kids in this disgusting stairwell just trying to get into our flat. That's very annoying, you know. And so I can actually remember that particular moment I, rem- I realised, because I, I was thinking about this scripture, all things without grumbling and complaining. And Chris is just, I'm like, let me, let me try. Like, I'll try. Okay, we're going to ring someone. We had to ring someone to come and help us to unlock the door. It was just, what was wrong with that door? I don't know what was wrong with that door. Oh, I don't know. But you see, the ground was disgusting. I don't even want to tell you what went on on the ground outside our flat. So one time there was a, there was a, a knife fight, put it that way. We heard this terrible screaming. Our babysitter wanted to go home. And we got to the front door and we went, what is going on out there? And we went, Wah! We just we, there, was, there was fighting and we didn't sort of want to go out there. So it was very awkward. We had to wait for the fight to finish. But um, I can remember that moment thinking, I have to learn not to complain because complaint is just where you go. It's like, this stupid, I'm so annoying. And I just remember going, I'm not going to actually complain now because if I keep complaining, I know that God's going to keep putting me in positions where I have to keep complaining until I learn this lesson. So I have to stop complaining because otherwise my life is going to be really horrible. So I just remember going, just don't, if I don't open my mouth, nothing will come out. I can't breathe out complaint. So I'm just not going to complain. And that was a really big moment for me, learning to not complain at that point of irritation. And, you know, obviously I haven't totally learned that lesson, but I'm certainly a lot better than I was. I'll say that. Thanks be to God. So that's a form of humility, not being irritated that life isn't perfect for you because, no, it's not. It's not perfect for anyone. Life is full of irritants and sometimes we think, why do I have to put up with this? I don't know. Maybe to learn not to complain (laughs) and trust God. So humility. And then I love where he says before, he said, consider others better than yourself. So humility is also 
deliberately putting ourselves in a position with people that we consider lower than us. Now, I know that none of us are going to admit this. It's not like we live in England and we can just casually say, well, you know, I'm upper class and you're lower class. In Australia, we, we, we consider we're all equal. But I can tell you from where I grew up, we knew which suburbs were happening and which ones weren't. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're, you're still there. Yeah, Joe's still there. She's on the east side of the Pacific Highway. Just saying. I'm just saying. And there's the upper North Shore and the lower North Shore. And the upper used to be better, but actually the lower is coming good because, you know, it was... And then there's that side and then there's this and then there's this spot and that spot. And which, which, which side of that road do you live on? Right, where do you live? And, uh, you know, there's about where you live sometimes. And, oh, school, let's not even go there. Oh, my goodness. When I was young, it was, and what school do you go to? All right, that's good news. But poor old Christopher, he went to a state school. And so when he met my mother's friends who all wanted him, it'd be, it'd be lovely for Ruthie to come over and, and we'd love to meet Christopher for, you know, before they got married. So Christopher came in, hello, Christopher, it's so lovely to meet you. And what school did you go to? And he was like, what? The second, the very first question? And he would be like, uh, the Forest High, actually. Oh, that's all they needed to say, it was just oh. Um, so if you went to a high school, you will survive, it's okay. Look, look at him, he, he made it, he got there. I know you guys are okay. I know, I'm not, I know my own children went to state schools, I know. And it was a shock, it was a shock for some of my families. In fact, I even had an old school friend who said, Whatever happened to Ruth Southwick? And they said, I don't know, she's on the Central Coast, but I know her children go to the uh, grammar school. And I'm like, well, no, they don't. We, uh, we didn't quite make the grammar school, actually. And, and the reason being because my nieces and nephews went to the grammar school, so they heard the name and thought, oh, well, at least her children go to the grammar school. I mean, at least they go, some of these, some of you go to St Phillips, at least. No, I'm joking. Whatever, school. I mean, seriously, like, whatever. But... But we, ha we do. We have little ways that we sort of think, I'm a little bit higher and you're a little bit lower. But that's okay, I'll still be nice to you. Like, really? Really? No, let's not do that. God will, God knows, you know, the Bible says the first will be last and the last will be first. You know what I'm saying? So we need to be careful with that kind of ranking based on human achievement or human whatever. So humility is just laying all of that down and not, not, judge, not ranking people at all, certainly not ranking yourself above others. And I really love stories about people who laid that down and just were prepared to go wherever God wanted them to go. And I came to mind St Francis of Assisi who was born in a very rich Italian family and apparently was very handsome, witty and loved fine clothes. But he was disillusioned with the bright life and he had a vision of God and he, he really wanted to find God and wanted to serve God. So he began to seek God and look for him. This is way back in 1181, so it's quite a while ago. But his, um, his father wanted him to, to live as, you know, the, the, the eldest, the son, you know, to be living this wealthy lifestyle. And so he beat him and bound him and put him into a sort of a, a prison so that he wouldn't be able to live as a Christian. But he escaped and wandered as a beggar in the country. He began to repair old churches. He just went around and found old churches and started to repair them and gradually um, gathered some followers and, of course, uh, started the Franciscan order. 
So, you know, there's someone who just went, I, I'm, I'll, I'll lay it down. I'll just, I just, anything God wants me to do, I'm not holding on to my position. Heidi and Roland Baker, modern missionaries, who, who, who chose, they deliberately chose what was then the poorest nation on earth, which at that time was Mozambique. And they wanted to go there. They, they said, well, we want to go to the poorest place on earth. Where is that? They figured it out and went there and started ministering to children who used to pick off the rubbish heaps. Those were the, that was their ministry, which is, you know, now expanded and it's worldwide. But just that, I'll, I'll, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll, I'm just yours, God. I'm prepared to go low. I'm prepared to go high. I'll do whatever you want. That's the kind of attitude that we have to have, just that, that humble mind that will, will go low. And sometimes that doesn't mean going overseas. Sometimes it means going to the neighbour's house. Sometimes it means going to connect group. Sometimes it means, you know, serving out in the kids' club. I mean, it's, it's whatever. It's, I'll do anything. I'm completely open to it. Honestly, I was looking up Niger and I was just started Googling it and I'm like, I would go there. I would. I was like, I'm, I would. I'd just go. I'll leave anything. I'll even leave my little grandchildren if I have to. Eleanor's like, please don't. But, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Why not? We've got to be willing. So if God wants you to, you know, I, I mean, I just love our youth team. We have the best youth team and we are just putting it in there. And Friday nights, you know, it's not always, they, they just go, look, Mal, look, he's happy. He's got the best youth. I mean, it's, it's all pretty much for him. So. <laughs> and this one, I mean, it's pretty awesome. Mia's happy. But, you know, we just want to serve and love. And if we're just serving, starting with two, three, four, however many, we just, we will. You know, Friday nights, let's do it. Why, why not? What are you going to do? What, you, you want to be comfortable? You want to watch TV? What are you going to do? We've got to be prepared to do anything and go as low as God wants to go. So we lay down our ambitions and our sense of what we deserve and we choose the life that brings glory to God. That is humility. That is what he wants us to do. All right, let's keep moving on. So that kind of humility, he talks about having a humble mind in Philippians 2.2. 2. Be like-minded, have the same love, be of one accord and one mind. So I like that. It's, there's that humble ambition, putting that down, but then it's also humbling our actual mind. Now, we all approach things from a different perspective and we have different ideas and different thoughts. So what does it mean to be like-minded? How can we have the same thoughts? If we all want to know what Jesus thinks about something, if we truly humble ourselves, even with a different approach, if two really godly people have a different approach and talk about it, invariably we will come to the same opinion because we're humble about it. It's like, well, I think this. Oh, really? I thought that. I wonder what this means. And then someone else. And then this opinion, the one that we've all shared, actually becomes the most like Jesus' opinion. But we have to lay down our opinion. Some people just hold it. No, this is what I think. This is what I think. It's like lay it, hold it, put it down, hold it loosely. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're right. Maybe it needs adjustment. But it's not hard actually to have a like mind if we, our heart is to have the mind of Christ. I don't want people to agree with me. I don't, I don't, it's not what I think. Here's my thoughts. But what do you think? Let's, let's bring it together. It's actually really exciting. But I find some people don't want to do it. Some people are like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, well, I don't want to submit my thoughts. Some people don't even say them because they, they don't want them to see the light of day and be challenged perhaps. Some people don't want to <clears throat> be corrected or receive feedback on this. They don't, they're just like, no, no. 
or other people just fight. They, they feel this need to be right. And I have to, this is my opinion, or this is what I believe, or this is what I've read, therefore, it's like, just be a bit softer. Lay it down. He says, that's humility of mind. That's what humility looks like. Humility looks like confessing our sin to God regularly. It looks like saying sorry. It looks like being able to learn. It looks like praying. That's what humility looks like. This is what he's talking about. Have the mind of Christ. Jesus was always praying. Jesus was always praying. He was perfect. He knew God exactly. Why did he need to pray? It's like, what, did he need more strength? Did he need more help? Did he need to be more holy? I don't think so. He wasn't like... I'm sorry, God, you know, I've done it again. I've started complaining. He didn't, he never confessed sin. He didn't need to. And yet he was always praying. That should be our heart to be like Jesus, to always be praying, to be open to that. I read this, um, it's a tweet actually from Jackie Hill Perry. It's a little long and it's rather strong, but I thought it was great. So I'm going to read it. Not praying, prayerlessness is almost always a humility issue. We would like to believe that we don't pray because of busyness or we lack discipline and need to do better. But at the end of the day, we're just a proud bunch. Pride deludes us into thinking we are self-sufficient, that our jobs supply our need, our relationships provide comfort, our intellect and ambition make us successful. In fact, everything we are and everything we have is because God reigns on the just and the unjust. So to be prayerful, we have to be honest. We have to embrace the reality that we are perpetually needy even when we don't feel like it. Isn't that great? I've never thought of that before. That's a very interesting concept of why sometimes we don't pray. So let's keep going. So we humbly, now look, Philippians 2.17, look what Paul says then. He says this. Even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For this same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. So here he is speaking about a humble servant. In fact, to the point where he, just, just the image, I'm pouring my life out as a drink offering. Here's my life, which has a lot of value, one, one would think. And yet he's saying, I'm just going to pour it out. I'm just going to pour out my life for you, for the service and sacrifice of your faith, for you. So it's not about what I want or even to some extent what my family and my children want because some people are really great at serving their own kids, but it's just serving God. And how does that, what does that look like? What's my attitude of pouring out my life? He speaks at the end of the chapter, which I won't get into, but he talks about Timothy and Epaphroditus, both of whom are serving and both of whom he's pleased with. He commends them for serving and giving their lives and doing things. And he makes this little comment, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Everyone's looking for their own, perhaps even their own religion, perhaps even just enough religion to be comfortable or just enough religion to be, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm doing enough at church. It's like he's saying, no, don't, don't seek for your own things, seek that which is of Christ Jesus. It's quite challenging, all of this, but it's good for us. So he's, he's asking us to have that attitude of just serving, of being, what do you want me to do, Jesus? And I just want to say, I, I really commend you. I was thinking about just in this house, and 
I love seeing how many of you serve and I really do see that. I was thinking of examples of people serving and some of you coming in and cleaning during the week. You know, we've had various ones of you who've done that. In fact, one time we had a cleaner who we employed who rang the office to say, oh, I forgot to come, sorry. And <laughs> the beautiful one who I won't mention just because we're into being humble <laughs> this morning, she was like, Oh, and so she cleaned the entire church on Saturday so it would look nice for Sunday. That's a big job. Like the whole church, this auditorium gets vacuumed, that's a lot, and all the bathrooms and everything. She just went, well, I guess I'll have to do it then. So she did. I don't think anybody even knew about it because it was just clean on Sunday. We would have known if it wasn't clean. So what a great attitude. And I love the kids volunteer WhatsApp. I love this WhatsApp because we regularly have on this WhatsApp I'm sorry, I can't do this Sunday. And people are, oh, I'll do it. Every time. Someone's, I'll do it, I'll do it. I love that attitude. I love just, it's not, not we're not seeking our own. Like, what, how, how will I be most comfortable at church on Sunday? But just, how can I help? There's a, there's a hole, I'll fill it in. I don't mind. I love that attitude. And I actually, honestly, I, I, I actually find, I find this church very commendable in that. So... Well done. Let's, let's keep on it. Let's keep doing it. Just keep serving. Keep having that attitude. And so then, Philippians 2.12. Let's just finish on these great scriptures. 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So as we listen to all these words from Paul of how he wants us to live, let's have that attitude of fear and trembling as in, I don't want to miss out. I'm not afraid of God. I'm afraid of missing out. I'm afraid of having a second-rate life. I want to have this great life. And I'm, I, I want, you know, over the week in your connect groups, look at those things and actually do them. Actually think, what, what is challenging to me? What do I need to work on? He says, work it through, work it out. Of course, God is working with us. He just says that. We can't change ourselves. It says, because we know that God is working in us. So there's this beautiful partnership. I'm working as hard as I can and praise God that he's actually working within me and changing me because I, I'm not, I can't change myself, but I'm, I'm completely open and humble and ready to be changed to take advice, to, to do whatever it needs to be done. And it's so beautiful because it says here, he's working in you both to desire and to do his good pleasure. So it's exciting to know that we're going to want to do all this. That's the great part. Everything I've said, it says he's working in you to desire, to desire. So it's not like, oh no, I've got to go to church. Oh no, I've got to go on kids club again. Oh no. It's like, I love it. He, it's, he's so wonderful, he could make it sort of more of a, you've got to do it, right, it's got to be done. But he, he changes our desires, so we want to do all these things. We want to humble ourselves, we want to live like this. So he works in us to want to do it, and then he gives us the energy to do it. Because that word to do is energio, it's literally energy. He works in us to want it, and he gives us the energy and the ability and the capacity to do everything that he's called us to do. It's just, God's amazing. It's win-win. So let's make this decision that we're going to shine 
as children of God in this perverse and crooked generation. And let's humble ourselves because we know that when we humble ourselves, just as Jesus did, we're going to think like Jesus. And Jesus was happy to humble himself because he trusted God and God exalted him. And just as God did it to Jesus, he actually promises he's going to do it to us. That when we humble ourselves, when we put ourselves low, when we let go of our opinions or our way of thinking, when we yield to the community or to our pastors, when we yield to a a lower job or a lower position or whatever it looks like humbling ourselves, he promises to exalt us. One day we'll be there in the throne with him. (laughs) How amazing. But I believe that he exalts us even here on earth in ways that we don't understand. Praise the Lord. All right, let's pray. Oh, God, we just, we just come back to that beautiful scripture, Lord God. We just, we just thank you so much for what Jesus did. And he made himself nothing for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, thank you, Jesus. And we make a decision to have that mind as well, to think like that. We are prepared to serve you, to do whatever you want us to do, Lord God. And we do choose to humbly come before you, to humbly listen to you and your ways and your word and your people and your prophets. Serve you with all our hearts, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that word would go into our hearts today and make a difference to all of us. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Cheese.